thank you for joining us on The Skeptic Sidekick, where we delve into ancient societies, the ghosts, the paranormal, UFOs, all looking at it from the perspective of the true believer and from the skeptic perspective. Joining me, my partner, my co-host, my sibling, Kimber Rodriguez. Myself, I am Richard Gregg. And again, let's look into being the skeptic psychic. Hello, and thank you once again for coming to the wonderful world of the skeptic psychic. I just as had some time to have nice conversations with my beautiful, intelligent, and wonderfully uh, adept sister of mine, Kimber Rodriguez. Hey, how's it going? All right. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. What's new with you this week? Uh, just uh, busy trying to live life to the fullest. How about you? you? Know, pretty much the same. Um, nothing really new on my end. This week is just super flown by. First, it was Monday, then I blinked and it was Friday. So I don't know what happened to the last other three days of the week. Right. So it kind of reminds me of that wonderful Prince tune, uh, as recorded by the Bengals. Just another Matic Monday, but the problem is that it's a Friday. <laughs> yes. So, I wish it were Sunday. Oh, no, not Sunday. More like Saturday. Yeah, I wish it was Saturday. That's my Sundays, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, you have to go back to work on Monday, so yeah. you're dreading most of it. <laughs> so this week, we are going to be talking about the Bermuda Triangle. Ooh, Bermuda. Also known as the Devil's Triangle. Also known as, gee, guys, let's just try to... Uh, explain all these wonderful, weird things happening just off the coast of Florida as you're going to Bermuda and yes. Puerto Rico. Yes, but first I want to share a little bit of cryptic, sort of paranormal, sort of news. Um, this article was shared by one of our group members, Alan Smith, in our Facebook group. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about that and I'm going to go ahead and share that on my screen in just a moment. Let me open that up. And can you see that okay? Yes, I can. Okay. DNA test finally reveals what emaciated quote unquote mystery animal is after it was rescued last month. Um, and this is through People Magazine or People Online. And it says that, uh, that the Animal Rehabilitation Center in West Pennsylvania has released findings of a DNA test for a rescued critter brought into the center last month. And it is 100% coyote. Or Yay, coyote. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, I already, it looks like a coyote with mange, so. Oh, I thought it just it looked like a cute little puppy, personally. Yes. Um, but it talks about that it began treating the then unidentified creature on January 17th after a woman from the Fairfield Township found paw prints outside her home that led to the animal that was emaciated and freezing. 
At first, the woman kept the animal in her basement until a local foster-based rescue named TJ's Rescue Hideaway could mm -hmm. transport it to Wildlife Works. Right. And it goes on to say they did some testing of the animal uh, to find out the origin of it, only to find out that it was either of dog or coyote origin. Um, so that's just a little bit of cryptic news. Uh, Alan's theory was that this could possibly explain the legendary chupacabra. And I kind of agree with him. A lot of the pictures that I've seen of the quote-unquote chupacabra have looked like either a dog with mange or it could even be a Mexican hairless dog, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce because it's super hard to pronounce. Um, but yeah, a I just giant chihuahua. It's not a chihuahua. Giant chihuahua. It, it's not a chihuahua. It's like, a, it starts with an X. Uh, it's called a Zolo. It's Suli. Yes, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it as I said, but it's spelled X O L O I T Z C U I N T L I. Um, I, like I said, I have no idea how to pronounce that, but it's a Mexican hairless dog. And I think right. that this is what the Chupacabra has been, um, typecast. Right. But I will go ahead and post this article that Alan shared on our page. So that way our viewers can also viewers slash listeners can read more on the article. Right. And, uh, also, uh, uh, to, uh, elaborate, uh, when, uh, my wife and I, Shauna, uh, met in San Antonio and I was driving her to the hotel, she swears up and down that she saw off the side of the road as, uh, we were stopped at the stoplight, a chupacabra sitting, uh, on, on a, uh, uh, sitting, uh, standing on the side of the road. Yeah. She still stands by the fact that she saw this and I'm not going to argue with her. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if, if you have any ideas or any comments on this or anything else during our show, you can always um, comment. We are streaming currently on Facebook and Twitch. So, okay, oh, he was running, running sitting. not sitting. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, so again, if you have any comments or questions during the show, you can always uh, ask them in our Facebook page or on Twitch, we're streaming live on both right now. Um, so go ahead and write in your comments or questions and we'll read them on air as many as we can. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into tonight's topic. Right, the, the wonderful, wonderful, uh, I would say uh, hundred, uh, with 100% accuracy that it is a triangle. It goes from the coast of Florida <laughs> down to the coast of uh, Bermuda. And from there, it goes right up to the uh, the coast of Puerto Rico and then right back again to the coast of Florida. Oh, and you missed San Juan. That's well, San, San Juan, Juan, Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. That's, That's right. Up. So, yes. Um, and writers throughout the years have given a wide variety of exactly where these boundaries lie. 
and it ranges anywhere from 500,000 to just over 1.5 million square miles. Now, for those of you who like to use kilometers, that's about 1.3 to 3.9 million kilometers. Mm -hmm. And there have even been a few who've tried stretching it beyond the coast of Ireland. Now, that's uh-huh. taking a little too far-fetched, in my opinion. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, basically, again, I'm guaranteeing that it's uh, because it's Bermuda, it actually goes from the coast of Florida down to Bermuda, up to Puerto Rico, and back to Florida. That's where I got my Bermuda Triangle. I, I agree, but since there are so many discrepancies on how big this triangle actually could be it can be seen why there's so many varieties between the reports of how many accidents have actually been in this area um speaking of which in december 5th of 1945 there's a one hold on before you uh get into that we do have a story that Christopher Columbus, the gentleman who discovered the Caribbean islands and is also, they say, well, he's also discovered the Americas, actually had a report back in 1492 of weird things happening as he's going through that area. Uh, Lights that were flying up from out of the water. He was getting odd readings from his compass, and that's basically what you would call a round circular disc with two pieces of wood that spreads out and you take the reading you know kind of like this from the horizon he was getting weird readings from that as well yes um his logs did first indicate that there were some stars kind of like moving around like i don't know what he was smoking but supposedly Mm -hmm. the stars were moving um he saw lights like a candle in the sky he also saw lights shooting up out of the water that looked like balls of fire. And so, yeah, I don't know what he was smoking, but basically the compass that you're talking about. Which is called a, a sextant. Yes, It was going to be fa- uh, fairly useless because the, uh, the stars were out of line, that sort of thing, so... Right. It, it was to read the stars. And if the stars are moving, then, of course, you can't read it. But the theory goes that because of him not being able to read the compass or sextant, that's the reason he was so off course and how he ended up in the Americas instead of India and mistaking the Native Americans for people of India. Yes. So that's the theory there as to how that happened. Um, But like I was saying, there has been a lot of accidents through centuries. And um, also looking back in time, The Tempest by Shakespeare was supposedly written about the Bermuda Triangle, um, about something that happened there. So this, as you see, this, this goes back not just in the most recent last century but for as long as written word pretty much has been around from what i can see but as i was saying before um some of the more recent accounts 
uh, go back to there's December 5th of 1945, and there's a tale of five torpedo planes out of the Navy, mm -hmm. and they were from Fort Leda the Fort Lauderdale Naval Space. I'm sorry, Naval Station or Air Station, something like that, and they seem to have disappeared. Um, they, whoa, you're you're getting a little. Uh, you're turning into a black mass here, brother. It's We're a Bermuda losing. Triangle. <laughs> You've become a black mass. We've lost you. Let's see if we can get you back into focus. Wait just a moment. See if he comes back. There you are. We see you now. I'm sorry. Uh, everything was going black around here, so I actually had to turn on the light so we can uh, share it a little bit better. Oh, okay. I just see this black mass on screen. I didn't know what was going on. Thought Again, you were, like you were, you were I faded out because everything was entity. <laughs> I went to the Bermuda Triangle and they gave me this T-shirt. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, so the um, it was a training flight of about fourteen crewmen. And there were calls of their progress and no calls of distress. And then there was no calls at all. Uh, search planes did go out looking for them and they weren't able to find anything. Um, they thought maybe they ran out of fuel and either crashed or land, you know, ended up somewhere else. Um, however, one of the other rescue planes, which was a PMB and had 13 people aboard, did go out looking for them, and this was one of the greatest searches in Florida history for a ship. However, no one was ever found, and that PMB also went missing. So that's one story about you know these people who supposedly vanished out there. Yeah, like I said, I just really kind of if you want to talk about the uh, bermuda triangle you are going to have to talk about columbus you're going to talk about the uh, uh what was going on during world war ii and you're also going to have to talk about what could possibly be a going on in type situations like that you know okay well one of the earliest anyone ever reported of a uh, quote-unquote unusual vanishing in this region was an article written by a man named Edward Van Winkle Jones. Not to be confused with Rip Van Winkle, but Edward Van Winkle Jones. Jones. Yes. Um, he was an associate professor, I'm sorry, an associate press reporter, and he was published in the Miami Herald under their name, The Same Big World Segment. Um, this article was dated in December 17th of 1950, and it was titled The Seas, Puzzles, Baff Still Baffled Men in Push-Button Age. It also and, had uh, a hand-drawn map of the triangle. Right. Uh, uh, the article covers the loss of a 3-foot, 350-foot uh, freighter, the Sandra, which was carrying about 300 tons of insecticides. It was bound for Foto, Cabello, Valenzuela, along with the 12-man crew, carried a radio, but no cries were heard. 
The uh, Sandra had left Savannah, Georgia in June of 1950, and it was never heard with, uh, again. Yes, that's Puerto Cabello. 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 I just said Cabello, but Cabello. Yes. Cabello. Yes, in Spanish, the double L's make the E sound like in tortilla. So it's Puerto Cabello. Going just back a little bit. Uh, 27th of December, 1948, 32 persons, men, women, and two children, boarded a plane at San Juan, Puerto Rico, and were flying to the beautiful, sunny, hot cha-cha-cha of Miami, a flight only 1,000 miles. They received a, a message at 4 a.m. reporting that 50 miles south of their destination, but they never arrived. Yes. No. You also yeah. have the uh, uh, British airliner Ariel that vanished in the thin air. They left uh, out of Bermuda with 12 aboard, making their way from London to Chile and on, Janu uh, on January 8, 1949. The United States Navy was on maneuvers with a vast force of just south of Bermuda. Maneuvers were canceled and aircraft carrier cruises and destroyers were combing the uh, waterways looking for the Ariel, but yet nothing was found. So, no. okay, <laughs> how, if they were flying from London, how did they fly out of Bermuda? They were bas basically, back in the old days, they couldn't go complete flights. They had to stop for fueling. So they stopped for oh, fueling okay. in Bermuda with 12 aboard on their way to Chile. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so they were from over here in the wonderful... Uh, London, England. I'm sorry, I'm just England. They stopped to get fuel in the wonderful island of Bermuda. Uh, and then when they left uh, Bermuda, nothing was heard. So basically, they sent out the United States Navy, who were just doing the maneuvers out in that area, canceled the uh, maneuvers, and instead of doing the little practice runs, several aircraft carriers, cruisers, and destroyers Decided they they were combing the waterways, which means they were had some guy out there and maybe about four or five of them on the uh, port, starboard, and aft, looking for uh, any type of survivors, wreckage, or anything like that. But they were not coming in anything at all. Interesting. The person who actually coined the phrase the Bermuda Triangle was the author Vincent Gaddis. And he mm -hmm. wrote an article for pulp magazine Argosy, which he titled. Uh, uh, actually, that's uh, Argosy. Oh, okay, Argosy. Yes. Argosy. It was titled The Deadly Bermuda Triangle and was originally published in February of 1964. And after he wrote this article, they continue to use this name up until this day. I mean, now, we, we, we could talk hours about basically, you know, the different stories, who, what, when, where. You were talking earlier about Shakespearean play The Temptus was inspired by Admiral Summers. Basically, he would run a resupply ship called the Sea Venture. And he ran it one day aground in about 1609, which stranded the Admiral and his crew for 10 months. 
they were lucky enough to survive, and he was returned uh, returned to Virginia in May of 1610. Uh, the admiral was sent back to the Bermuda Islands a few weeks later, where he died in November of that year. His nephew went on to bury his uncle's heart and entrails, ooh, scary, on what was to become Summer Island in Bermuda before sailing back to England to bury the rest of the Admiral's body. Why they did it, I don't know. Maybe uh, the Admiral had to make a offering to King Triton for his uh, survival. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I. it seems really odd that they would bury his heart and his entrails Mm-hmm. in one area and the rest of the body in the other. Right. Um, that's, I don't know. Maybe he always felt like a part of him belonged to that area. Maybe right. it was in his will, but that's just a very odd thing to do. Mm-hmm. The area of the triangle is frequented by tropical cyclones and wild stormy weather. Often seen to rush out of the blue. Somebody who's been through a uh, typhoon and hurricane, that sort of thing, it can happen really quick. Many of the flights and ships reported happened in time before modern day satellites. So you could have little to no warning of violent weather approaching rapidly. I mean, you've got a hurricane, it's like maybe once it uh, hits shore, you've got about, I would say, anywhere from five to 25 minutes knowing what the heck's going on. A National Historical Center satellite specialist, James Lushine, stated that during very unstable weather, conditions as a downpour of cold air from aloft can hit the surface like a bomb, exploding outward like a giant squall line of wind, water, and because of the wind, water, air, that sort of thing, it can have an effect on compasses because you're constantly, you know, riding the waves. And so your compass is going nuts because you're going up and down, up and down, and side to side, and up and down, and side to side. You are rocking and rolling in that. Now... It's not just um, the boats, though, because planes also have trouble with their compasses due to the magnetic poles. Um, I know I did see something on, if I'm not mistaken, the History Channel or one of those several years back where they actually uh, tried to fly through the Bermuda Triangle. And it showed on the plane how the the compass was acting funky and they kind of lost a little bit of track of time with it. So they think that that's based on magnetic poles that are there, um, which is something we've known about for centuries. Right. These variations have changed with time. As you had mentioned before, when Columbus sailed into the triangle, you okay there? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm sorry. (laughs) The true magnetic force, um, it did line up with the true north, and that would explain his crazy readings. And with the missing naval trainees, if the leaders of the flight's compasses were malfunctioning, then it would be easy to get lost where there is no land in sight. Um, And then it's only a matter of time before the fuel runs out and it forces you to ditch the plane and see. Right. 
And also, you know, we're talking about planes going through the Bermuda Triangle through a hurricane or hurricane type winds. The uh, storm trackers that, you know, go actually and fly towards the eye of the hurricane and uh, back out again have actually reported having problems with their uh, compasses, gyroscopes, uh, that sort of thing. So I'm thinking that you've got a warm weather condition that's actually making what is the Bermuda Triangle type situation. Uh, again, it's magnetics, that sort of thing. Yes. Uh, also, missing freighters and boats could capsize under swell waves or even what they call rogue waves. And these rogue waves can occur with smaller waves, making them twice or even as more as high in height as the waves they travel with. Many reports of these rogue waves say they look like walls of water as they, um, as they come in. In fact, in 1933, the USS Ramapo reported that they had seen one that was the height of 112 feet, and this was in the Pacific Ocean. Another freak wave reportedly struck the Queen Mary's amidships, going back to what we talked about a few weeks ago. You know, Queen Mary was in World War II, and they had these ships that went alongside with it. Supposedly, one of these waves hit one of those ships next to the Queen Mary, and it was known to damage the hull of the ship. Mm. There is also something called the Saragasso Sea. Uh, right. This is another possible troublemaker. I would uh, pronounce it Saragossa. Okay, it's spelled C-A-R-G-A-S-S-O. <laughs> but it's one of those, you know, uh, potato, potato type situations. Okay. Anyway, this sea is found in the Atlantic Ocean, and it's bound by all sides by different currents. Um, you have your Gulf Stream, which is I'm very familiar with being right here in South Texas, where we have the Gulf of Mexico. You have your Atlant North Atlantic Current, the Canary Current, and the North Atlantic Equatorial Current. Now, these four currents form a clockwise circular system of the ocean's currents, and this is known as the North Atlantic Gyre. And the trouble, as Columbus saw himself, is that there are not always winds to help sailors sail through this. Basically, with these currents all going at the same time, it kind of counteracts each other, which causes the winds to kind of stop in a sense. So that way the sails can't go through. Mm -hmm. Also, there's a lot of seaweed underneath this sea that these ships could get tangled up into. And their rotors and possibly their uh, little, uh, oh, what do you call it? The little rudders. paddle thingy, yeah, yeah, the rudders like that. Yeah, the yes. rotors and the rudders could get uh, trapped up in there. It also hides shallow waters, so um, basically you could be going along and hit these shallow waters and capsize the ship, mm -hmm. making it to where you're not able to go any further. There's also what they call hexagonal or honeycomb clouds, and these are a strange weather pattern that is over the Bermuda Triangle. Right. And these were noted by meteorologist Dr. Randy 
Cervini. And he says that these hexagonal shapes in the ocean are in essence air bombs. They are formed by what is microbursts and blasts in the air. And they could reach speeds up to 170 miles per hour. So just picture this, you're like floating along, you know, to do enjoying the sea. And all of a sudden this wind hits out of nowhere that you're not prepared for. We're talking hurricane sized winds, hurricane mm -hmm. strength winds. Um, these can definitely blow ships off a course. They can capsize them, flip them, you name it. Um, so that's another thing that they think is a theory as to what's going on in this triangle as well. Right. Also, we have methane hydrates. Um, would you like to tell us about the, the hydrates? Uh, basically, they're methane gas that actually uh, has been known to actually come up out of the water due to uh, dead seaweed or things that die uh, in there. Yes. Also, they are thought to be caused by thawing grounds from Siberia due to the global warming. Mm -hmm. The grounds thawing in Siberia are causing these methane gases to be released into the oceans as the snow melts out. And... It floats been, down to the uh, to the Bermuda Triangle area, and boom, you got the uh, soap. Uh, yes, um, it's hypothesized that these gases can erupt from the sea floor, and if the eruption is large enough, it can produce regions of frothy waters that can provide inadequate buoyancy for the ships. I'm sorry, buoyancy, buoyancy. Yes. for the ships. Um, so again, you're floating along, do to do, floating your boat, and all of a sudden your boat just sinks for no rhyme or reason. Right. Some say that if you if a ship sails into this, sometimes those blasts are so strong they can shoot up into the air, causing eruption when they hit the gas tanks of the planes, mm -hmm. causing an, ex an explosion. explosion. Yes. So um, that's another theory that they have as to what is causing these wreckage of planes and ships in this area. Right. Okay. Let, uh, you've already explained the science of it. Let's look at the fact of uh, what might be uh, pseudoscience and discuss one of the greatest places in the world. I mean, even Edgar Casey has mentioned this wonderful place. This could be the abandoned city of Atlantis exploiting and protecting its wonderful society from us trying to find it. They have actually stated that there's, some say it's two, but there's a crystal pyramid that if it's uh, hit at a certain time of day, sends a, a pulse, which will destroy any ships or planes in area, electrical, uh, magnetic, uh, light beam, that sort of thing. And it's like, well, if Atlanta is such a wonderful, peaceful uh, place, why would they have two crystal pyramids underwater destroying ships? Yes. Other people claim that this is a place for alien abductions. Basically, the aliens are flying around there 
to abduct passersby as they come along. Um, so I guess cattle mutilation is not enough for them anymore. Yeah. Having to take people out of the oceans. Definitely. So those are some of the fantastical theories. Now, a little bit about the stories we discussed in the beginning. The U.S. Coast Guard has gone on record with the following statement. In a review of many aircrafts and vessels lost in the area over the years, there have been nothing discovered that would indicate that casualties were the result of anything other than physical causes. No extraordinary factors have been identified. The number of people who travel through the triangle is so high that in comparison with the rest of the world, that the missing statistics seems to be right on average with the rest of the world. Look at the torpedo planes that were on a navigational exercise. The instructor was ill at ease before going out that morning and wanted to reschedule, but they told him no, because he really had no good reason to put it off. Originally, they said there was no radio signals whatsoever. However, it has been proven that there were radio signals going out, um, saying that he was off course, he couldn't find where he was going. His men were telling him to go another way, and he was ignoring them. Supposedly, he was really bad at navigation as it was. Mm -hmm. um, some of the, the transmissions that were going through were that everything looked strange in the ocean. We're entering white waters, and nothing seems right. Again, as I mentioned before about the methane with the white waters and this rift thingy going on with the different currents. It was also said that the last transmission that he sent out clearly stated that they were going to ditch the aircraft when it ran out of fuel. Also, it's been noted that he was nursing a hangover that morning and forgot his watch. Um, he did also have a history of ditching two other planes previously in flight due to that bad sense of direction that I mentioned before. So he didn't just magically disappear without word, as the original had said. Though, you know, we kind of have a history of falsely telling stories, whether to create lot wives' tales. Um, if you think you're going to get more money out of telling a story, you're going to make it more extravagant. Right. Um, there's also, I don't know if you've heard of my favorite game when we were in school, the telephone game, mm -hmm. where you tell one person something and then they tell somebody and so on. And the story changes a little bit each time. And then when you finally get to the end, it's a completely different story than what you started out with. Right. Well, I have two more uh, theories on it. Uh, one of them is kind of uh, may or may not be true but it is plausible the other one is just again way the heck out there okay. uh have you ever heard the saint elmo's fire the movie no 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 <laughs> oh i was excited a, there is a uh electric fog impulse that pops out once a year in the southern hemisphere coast area and it pops out and makes sort of a cross of just this gaseous thing and it's been seen for many generations it's an old sailor's tale and they've actually uh, recorded it so it's kind of an electric fog that just kind of pops up in the sign of a cross is what saint Elmo's fire is now 
theory that maybe that's what's happening in uh, the Bermuda Triangle area, that there's a electric fog pops up that may envelop and destroy the uh, electrical impulses in engines, uh, may mess with today's modern compasses, that sort of thing. The other thing I'd really like to talk about is the offsprings of a cute little mogwai named Gizmo, basically getting wet after midnight when eating their food. Mainly the gremlins, which is first noted uh, back in 1920s. This mythical anti-fairy type goblin creatures, which have been known to uh, cause havoc on any type of aircraft, sea craft, anything mechanical. They've been said to be destructive to any technology since the Industrial Revolution. Popularity rose during World War II as an excuse for any medical breakdown. Warner Brothers have done cartoons with a little gremlin that's always either harassing Bugs Bunny or the training films they did for the military. Theorists believe that uh, gremlins once taught humanity all we know about machinery. But when we showed no gratitude or acknowledgement for their help, they began to repay our arrogance by sabotage of all man-made machines leading to their disappearance. The last theory I want to discuss is the fact of the triangle is being filled with the souls of the dead, uh, either thrown over by heartless sea captains and pirates throughout history, or possibly the sea battles that have happened in that area, whether it be uh, modern day or back during the trade winds uh, and sea routes. Uh, it's claimed that you hear a haunting sound while sailing into the, the Triangle's notorious waters as a warning. Now, going back to um, people saying things just to get recognition, whatever, sometimes people also put their faiths into the wrong reports. In September of 2015, a story made the rounds on Facebook. Bermuda Triangle ship reappears 90 years after going missing, was a headline. And this was reported in the World Daily News, I'm sorry, worldnewsdailyreport.com. This was accompanied by a photo of a rusty ship, and it was supposedly floating off the coast of Cuba. Now, the story claims that the Cuban authorities had intercepted the ship, which had somehow been floating around undetected for a century. And it was shared a thousand times on Facebook, reaching hundreds of thousands of users. So this thing actually went viral. Um, and the story claimed that the ghost ship was the SX, SS Kodo Paxi, which is a real coal ship that did go missing on November 29th of 1925. And this was traveling from Charleston to Havana. And it had about 3,800 tons of coal and 32 passengers. However, the World News Daily has since added a disclaimer at the bottom of its homepage, which reads, and I quote, World News Daily Report assumes all responsibility for the satirical nature of its articles and for the fictional nature of their content. All characters appearing in this, I'm sorry, in the articles in this website Either those based on real people are entirely fictional and any resemblance between them and any person living, uh, dead, or 
undead is purely a miracle. Um, fun fact, though. In Steven Spielberg's 77 movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, this same ship, the Cotopaxi, somehow wound it up in the Gobi Desert, perfectly intact after going missing. That's just a little bit of movie trivia there that involved mm -hmm. something that actually happened in the Triangle. Right. I remember seeing that scene in, uh, in the movie. One of my top ten favorites. Yes. The only part I remember of the entire movie is when everybody is trying to leave town and they're faking a spread of anthrax to try to get people out of town or something like that. That's the only mm -hmm. thing I remember from the movie. And what's Bucket? Uh, Richard Dreyfus is actually driving towards the town while everybody else is trying to get out of town. Right. Yeah. That's the only thing I remember from the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I was very little when I saw that movie. I had to right. be, oh gosh, I don't even remember how old I was. I just know I was in grade school at least. Right. Shauna has actually uh, commented that the plateau made out of mashed potato stands out to her for the Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, see, I don't even remember that. I don't know what she's talking about there, but I'll take your word for it, Shauna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be honest, we can go on for hours telling all these stories, true, false, or uh, whatever. But the matter of the things you could say is that there's as many flights of, uh, that fly over and sail ships going over to Bermuda, to uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, to the Florida Keys. They're happening every day. And we're only getting just the wild tales. And we're thinking, oh my gosh, it's cursed. Yes. One more note. In 74, Charles Berlitz was inspired to write a book called The Bermuda Triangle. And he did learn about the triangle with it, from his travel agent who mentioned to his customers, do not fly through that region. If you're going to go, go around it, you know, take some kind of other way to, to refuse going into it. So that inspired him to write this book. He did sell over 20 million copies, and it was sold in 30 different languages. And he tried using both the Atlantis and alien theories that we talked about before. Mm -hmm. So I guess the Atlanteans have a tag team abduction thing going on with the aliens, and I guess that made for better sales. I guess so. Um, and if you think about it, back then, they didn't have fact-checking like they do now. There was no Snopes.com in 1974 for people to look up and say, is this really true? Are aliens really abducting people from the Bermuda Triangle? Right. Uh, I'm sure if you look that up now, you'll see that it says in big red letters, false. <laughs> I don't know. It could say mostly true. But I don't really trust Snopes too much here recently because... Yeah, same here. Um, we do have some other stories. We have expanded our blog on our website again. So what I'm doing now is I'm taking our notes from the shows and I'm posting them in our blog area for people to read through. There is a lot that we gleaned over because there is so much information to talk about with the subject. So this will be posted in our blog where you can go through and read more stories about the Bermuda Triangle and some of the disappearances as well as what really happened, quote unquote, with these disappearances. Mm -hmm. So that will be up. 
And also, if you all would like to discuss this topic more, you can join us in our group on Facebook, The Skeptic Psychic. Um, we do have a Facebook group over there where you can continue this um, topic and discuss a little bit more about it. Anything you'd like to add? I uh, wanted to add the fact of, you know, we're, we're not here as being a always giving answers. We're just uh, adding questions. We're just sharing the information as it comes to us. We're not experts on any of this stuff. Um, nope. We don't claim to be. We just have a passion and uh, uh, interest in different things paranormal. And so we like to discuss them and share them with other people who have the same interest. If you like what you hear, please go and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are available on most places where you can find podcasts. We do ask for a five-star rating, but we'll take any rating that you'll give because we can learn from the good just as we can from the bad. Mm -hmm. We do read our comments and our ratings and reviews online. So I'm sorry, not online, on air. <laughs> I do that right. every time. I always say online, but we read them on air. <laughs> uh, so please go and rate us. That helps people that are looking for great paranormal shows. It makes it easier for them to find us. Um, also, if you have YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe us there. We do post not only these shows, but other videos as well. I have some videos where I talk about some of my experiences with the paranormal. I'm trying to convince Richard over here to do the same. And Well, I don't, I don't know if they could handle me actually thinking about myself, you know. Oh, of course we can. To quote Jack Nicholson and a few good men, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> so, yes, um, if you do have any questions or comments, you can also email us at skepticpsychic.com or visit our website, skepticpsychic.com. Anything I forgot to mention or anything that I missed? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, in that case, next week we will be talking about the... Let me bring my calendar back up. We will be telling the haunted tales of the Wild West. You know, those wonderful tales about Tombstone. We're talking about maybe the wonderful stories of, you know, the Gold Rush. Billy the Kid. Uh, Goldfield. Yes, I have a haunting story about the old, well, it deals with the Old West. And it's an occurrence that happened when we went to visit the Billy the Kid Museum. Mm-hmm. You're gonna bring that, that up. Yes, that is my favorite, favorite tale. And I will share that on Facebook. So go check that out. And I'll tell you the story of the time that we went to the Billy the Kid Museum. And a certain someone had an experience there. Certain someone. Thought, certain someone had an experience. And I thought they were just pulling my leg, joking around. Come to find out years later, it was true. But I'll tell you more about that on Facebook. So go check that out. I should have that up by Monday or Tuesday of next week. All right. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, anything else you want to add for this week, Richard? 
Uh, we love you. We ho uh, hope and pray that you have a wonderful week. And we're looking forward to seeing you again. Yes. Uh, join us next week on Thursday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We will be live here again on Facebook again on Twitch. And we hope to see you there. Tell your friends about us. The more, the merrier. Again, right. if you have any questions or comments during the show, you're more than welcome to post them. And we will answer them on air. Or we will share them on air. All right. And we'd like to also wish you wonderful, wonderful, unpleasant nightmares. Sweet dreams, everybody. Good night. Good night.